when you move when you move the arm it makes this like <laughs> bong sound like check this out like can you hear that oh yeah I <laughs> oh whoops <laughs> yeah totally you are listening to fixing faxes a podcast on the journey of building a digital health startup with your host myself angela hopke and i'm jonathan bowers and we have been infatuated with marble league I don't know what this is. It is the best sport to watch while there is no sports, although there is sports now. I actually discovered it last year, but I didn't watch it until COVID times because I didn't think Julie would enjoy it, but she really likes it. So imagine ima- oh, no. <laughs> imagine the Olympics, but if if the athletes were marbles. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So they <laughs> they like set up these these courses and they put marbles at the top. Okay. And the marbles just, there's a machine that like releases them at the same time and the marbles go racing down the track. Okay. No. But but they have teams. So they have teams that are named. So I'm I'm a fan of the old Rangers. They're the orange team. And Julie likes the Misty Maniacs because they look like, or no, the Minty, Minty Maniacs? They're minty colored because she likes mint. Ooh. And it is phenomenally exciting to watch. And you get very emotionally involved in it if you pick a team. It's so much fun. What? Yeah. <laughs> and there's so like, silly. there's drama. I'm so confused about like, given, the, okay, so, oh, there's so many questions I have. Where do I start? <laughs> given the race, like the track or the yeah. course, yeah. does a team pick a certain marble? Yes. So some of them, some of them oh. are like, there's some, some events that require the whole team. Like there's, there's a, a push event, like it's a strength event and they all race down and they have to push this thing along the track and the further it goes, the, the higher your rankings are. Okay. Um, but then there's ones that are just like, you're competing with all the other teams. And so there's okay. just one marble and all the marbles have names. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, they do. My favorite team names is team Momo. And I don't understand marbles at all, but there's a team called team Momo. And one of the, the team captain, his name is Momo, but then there's Mo Momo. There's <laughs> another marble on team Momo. It's super fun. So captains are real people. No, everyone is marbles. They're all marbles. The referees are marbles. There's a whole like stadium of marbles no. in there that cheer and they hold up little marble signs. Okay. And sorry, what is it called again? It's it's called Gel Marble League, I think. <laughs> it's the name of the person who created Gel's Marble League. <laughs> I want to say that I'm going to go check this out, but I'm really not sure that I'm going to go check yeah, this so- out. Do you think my daughter would think this is funny too? I think so. I think okay. if you watched it with her. Like there's no bad words in it. No, it's very okay. family friendly. <laughs> um, you need to pick a team though. Like okay. go from the opening ceremonies. There's an opening ceremony. No. Pick it. Yeah, there's an so opening ceremony. Pick a team, like decide on just some random team and that's okay. the team you're going to follow. You got to stick it's, with. It's awesome. Like there'll be a, there'll be a moment where your team like comes back from the, from the back of the pack and overtakes and you're going to <laughs> cheer. I promise you, you're going to cheer. So the, I think, I didn't think Julie would think this was funny or no, fun or I anything, <laughs> but she really likes it. And okay. uh, we've been watching John Oliver and he, he's sponsored the whole season. No. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's uh, Marble League presented by, uh, yeah, John Oliver. And every, every episode, a $5,000 donation gets made to a food bank in the name of one of the marble teams that wins oh i love it that's actually quite cute yeah 
it's super fun. Love to see how we transition out of marbles into something. Oh, lordy. (laughs) (laughs) So today's episode might put you to sleep. We're going to talk about grants, non-equity funding, and tax incentives to really top things off. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's... Okay, so it's not that bad. It's, I mean, it's not. It's actually. super boring, but it's an interesting. It is an interesting thing to talk about because Canada, and in some ways, particularly BC, is a very is a really great place to start a technology company because of all of the government incentives. That's exactly it. There's a lot of people saying that Canada is going to be like the up and coming leader in in tech. And a lot of it has to do with uh, the way that we welcome, the way that we welcome tech firms, but also the way that we welcome tech talent too, probably more importantly. So that's, that's kind of cool. And I know for us, there's a, there's, there was a couple grants that we got that really got us over some super important bumps along the road like the only reason that jackie's with us is because of a grant that helped right from the get-go tell me a little bit about the the grants that you received backing up to about a year and a half ago now i was in contact with our local irap representative so irap is the industrial research assistance program put on by the national research council in canada here and they have different types of pots of money and maybe actually you should probably talk about you know kind of like more the Mm -hmm. IRAP grant program but what we accessed through them was a youth and employment grant they had there's some certain qualifications that they had and it was to be like a relative recent grad from a post-secondary institution um so and and youth so under 30 And I'm sure there's a couple other things like unemployed or underemployed. And right at the same time that I was talking to Kevin about that, I was also talking to Jackie, who was still in university at the time, about her honors thesis that she was doing, which was aligning beautifully with what we were doing. And then I was I was thinking at the time, man, if I could afford to hire this young woman coming out of university, that would be great. And right at that I think within that week or the next week, Kevin informed me that there was some some money available around youth employment. And I was like, oh, well, I have the perfect person. Um, and uh, that's how we hired Jackie right away. And I think they covered, I want to say it was 80% of her salary for like six months. Yeah. That's and that was the only way I could have hired somebody. And yeah. I don't know what I would do without her. So thank goodness. I don't think they're called grants. Oh, <laughs> am I calling it something wrong? Well, I think, no, I think they call it a contribution. So it's you're right. They did use that language a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of restrictions on what What you're allowed to call it, what you can call it. Yes. Thank you for, for clarifying that for me. A lot of these funding opportunities, these government funding opportunities exist to help de-risk some of these investments, particularly that small companies might be making, like, you know, making a hire. Hire is such a huge yeah. cost to yeah. um, startups. Well, it's the biggest cost. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. And in our case, it would have been a harder road had I not. We found a perfect fit and we had more momentum with that hire 
than we would have otherwise. Yeah. 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 And it, it I, I like those ones. They also incentivize you to hire, you know, take that chance on someone relatively yes. new. So yeah. it's, it's also de-risking that, right? Like you don't really know if a new graduate is going to perform at the level that you need them to or want them to or be able to grow into that but exactly. if, if if you're taking some of that risk off the table and you know giving them a little bit more opportunity to grow into that role that's i i get like i really like the grants for that i do um, too just you know just let's de-risk this opportunity hire someone hire someone um new mm-hmm. give them their first job and i think that aligns really well with our our culture a bit too like both of us, both you as CRS and us as two-story robot. Yeah. Uh, because you're more familiar with IREP's other programs. Did you want to talk about that at all? Or Yeah. So the one the one contribution that we received from IREP was a was a small project. So it's under fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And same same kind of deal. Like they cover eighty percent of salary costs. But it allowed us to explore a product that we wanted to build with very little risk. Yeah. We still had to we still had to still had to show the ability to actually pay for the entire project without the grant yes. or sorry without the contribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you got the contribution then you're just kind of on the hook for the 20% plus whatever overhead you'd have to pay f- to keep that, you know, keep the lights on. Yeah. And then you get to you just kind of just get to explore this product and try and build this product without without a lot of that risk and it may not have ever happened. Downside is we you know we we ended up it just didn't work. We didn't have mark market traction for that Darn. for that product. But um, it allowed you to try. Yeah. That's and huge. Yeah, it allowed us to try and we learned a ton about just the process of building building products, which led to getting hired at fresh grade and some other things. Cool. I think the the whole idea of de-risking projects to allow the creative freedom to really explore and research and and develop new things is the idea behind it. But I, I know for us, it's it has been exactly that. We should say that also the the process to accessing these types of contribution is a bit is a competitive process. Yeah. There's limited contribution availability out there. And that uh, like we've we've asked a couple times for projects to be considered and we haven't yeah. been approved. But anybody that I've spoken to that has accessed IRAP money has said very, very good things about it and and what it's done for them. It's a great, it's a great program. It's, it's not overly burdensome to report on either. Like it's, it's actually pretty, it's pretty easy. Um, We, when we had our agreement, it was right at the, right during the time that NRC got hacked. (laughs) Um, Oh no. And then we had to do everything by mail or by fax. And it was, oh, it was, it was was unpleasant. Fax. (laughs) Yeah. I remember at one point. Yeah, fax. I remember, I remember, because we didn't have a fax machine. Because why, Well, why, no, we, why would you? <laughs> and it took me all day to figure out how to send a fax. So you should have just gone to your local doctor office. <laughs> yeah. I tried, like our, our oh, copier, no. the copier in the building had the ability to fax. That didn't work. I w- went up to Staples and said, hey, can I fax this? And they said, uh, yeah, that's going to cost you a hundred and some odd dollars. So why? Because we charge by the page. 
differently for a long distance fax. And I says, that doesn't make any sense. Like that's oh so my goodness. It, it was so ridiculous. And then I came back and like explored all these things. But by the time it was all said and done, I had spent an entire, I wasted a whole day. A whole day. Oh my <laughs> word. Oh my word. Fax machines. Fax That's... machines. No. No. So silly. The other thing I did want to talk about was recently we received like SR&ED tax credits. Yep. And it, so it's our our first year because 2019 was our first uh, tax year where we where we would have had activities that would have qualified for SR and ED, yeah. and I wanted to talk about that a little bit because number one I was so impressed with the whole like I I what well, we had a company that helped us out and they were amazing. I hardly did anything, and yes, I paid them to you know a commission yeah. to do this. But I didn't even think we would have qualified until uh, a friend of mine, she owns a tech company in Regina, had told me about how she also did the same thing. And she's like, Hansel, just just contact this guy and see if, if you know, maybe maybe CRS has some activities for, for last year and blah, blah, blah. And it was amazing. He was just like, got me started and filled out the application for me, submitted everything for me. And I just like, I, w- I was amazed at how slick the process was mm-hmm. and what a great tax incentive. So SR&ED is Scientific Research and Exploration and Development. Scientific Research Research. and Experimental Development. Experimental Development. Tax credit. So anybody that's doing just new, new so specifically it can be in the resource sector too, right? So mm-hmm. like mining and, and, you know, like engineering and things like that, but also for tech, it's, it's building something new, mm-hmm. which what we're, which is exactly what we're doing and is a majority of our time and effort. And so, yeah, we did that through them. And I mean, you have to, so when you have contributions through IRAP and then tax credits on top of it, it just like, I, I was, I'm just so impressed with how how well that all came together for us and a couple of them were surprises too and I was like oh thank goodness because this year was it was a tight year so <laughs> it continues to be a tight year so <laughs> very ha- like and these are the kind of things that help us go through these first few yeah. years as a tech company I mean you're really not profitable until typically year three yeah. and so it makes it, it makes the tough times a little easier so that was so one of the really interesting things about shred is they're they're trying to incentivize technical uncertainty yes. and they they don't care if it succeeds or not like that's not that's not on the metric so you don't have to do something that is successful you just have to try to solve a problem that has never been solved before i think this is why i'm so impressed with these types of incentives let's just call them incentives and blanket it that way is so much of what we're trying to do has a low success rate. Yeah. Yet there's so many spin-off benefits of it. Even if it does fail, we learn things, we yeah. can try new things. Like all of, all of those all of those spin-offs are amazing. And we have um incentive programs and and either government or non-governmental bodies that are supportive of that fi- that at least trying even if you fail we know that there's going to be learnings from it we know x y and z will come out of it 
And I love that. I love that because, so I'm such a big proponent of systemic change and how hard systemic change is and can be that the failure rate is so high Mm -hmm. when it comes to trying new things and trying to change things that it's so, it's so nice to uh, feel a bit supported in a way that is meaningful around that, like financially. And yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. cool. I love that. We we did our own shred claim in the first couple of years. I did you? Re- wow. I don't recommend doing that at all. No, don't do um, that. <laughs> but I I did it. I sent it off, yeah. and the sh- the person from Canada Revenue phoned me up and said, "Okay, you, you've done this kind of wrong in some spots. Here's what you need to do. You need to fix this part here, and I need some other documentation here, and send it to me." whenever you can send it to me, send it to me here. And I sent it and they come back to me like, yep, this looks good. I need you to change this piece here. And I would change that and send it back. It took, it took a long time and it was really complicated. And I was really frustrated with it because I, I waited too long, but they were so helpful and they were, they were collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't like, he wasn't helping me game it in any way. He just like pointed out the fact that I probably filled this out wrong and I needed to clarify that, but gave me the opportunity to to fix it and didn't say like, wow, you did this wrong. Wrong. Send it back without help. They didn't just reject it. They just like recognize that there was a problem there. That's so lovely. So my first shred claim was done and I'm going to plug this guy because I think he's amazing. Uh, His name's Dana and it's Infinity Shred. (laughs) And so he helped my friend Christy. So Christy connected me to him and literally with, I think, I don't know, three phone calls, quite a few, like, you know, a few emails back and forth. He got all the information that he needed. He made our first shred claim and, and literally like then Dana emails me and he's like, okay, Angela, so they've processed it. Um, you're expecting this much back. And then he like connected like my accountant directly. And I was like, it did honestly very little. And then just like money in my bank account in the com- the company's bank account, not mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it comes and, as a check. Like, it's not like a rebate on future yeah, tax. Yeah, yeah. This is not a tax. Yeah, a re- is that what it's called? A rebate or whatever? Know. Yeah, like it's not like a tax credit. Oh, no, it's called it, tax It is credit. a tax credit, but you just get it as a check. It's you a don't, check. I, it's not deducted from your tax filing later on in the year. You yeah. just get it back right now. And you can, exactly. you can like, there's no stipulations on what you spend it on. You're probably going to spend it on salaries, but. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I thought that was really, really slick. It was a bit of a surprise to me that we were even going to be shreddable last year. Yeah. Now that cool. we look back on it, I'm like, oh, well, of course we were. But just at the time, I had no idea. So it's always worth looking into, even if you don't mm-hmm. think that you might qualify for it yet, because we didn't even have a product at that point, right? We were in the midst well, of building one. That's and that was the key. That's good. Yeah. Right? And th- there's some great programs like the Venture for Canada, which is a new program that I didn't yes. know about. They will back 50% of uh, of a co-op student. So they have to be enrolled in co-op. Oh, okay. Um, and they will pay for 50% of their salary up to like $5,000, I think it is. <laughs> That's a super, super great program. But you can also stack that against another grant that BC has. Yes. In the, so Innovate BC has a has their ISI grant, and then they have this other thing called co-op. They're funny. One is 
you must be a co-op student. The other is you must, you must not, not be a co-op, be a co-op. Exactly. Yeah. We'll be hiring an intern for the fall semester with the, she is not a co-op student. The ISI, that's the Innovative Innovation Skills Initiative. Yes, exactly. Grant. And it's yeah. uh, it's a collaborative program between Innovate BC and New Ventures BC too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Have you hired the person yet? Have you identified yeah. the person? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. When do they start? September 8th or 9th. Just cool. part-time. So oh, they, just because, part-time. Because they are in school right now also. So they're going to be oh. going to school while they do this. Are they local or? Yep. Sweet. Yeah. That's exciting. I actually have a kind of a, a also like a, an opposite view to the grants and tax incentives. Okay, let's hear it. And it's, it's something that uh, a bit of a mentor of mine had sort of pointed out was that it may actually disincentivize companies to do the thing that they're supposed to do, which is get revenue from customers. <laughs> oh, okay. I can see how that can be distracting. You can get, yeah, you can get really distracted with pursuing grants. And because there's all of these available incentives, it becomes a bit of a distraction to pursue them all. It and, does. Yes. You know, to, to go and, you know, try and get your IRAP grant. And if you can't get it, then, well, you know, don't try. But really, like if you just, if you took the approach to building your product a little differently, you might not need the grant in the first place. I still think there's lots of room for, for grants in certain applications. And obviously if they're there, you're going to go and try and take advantage of them. But I think it creates a, a weird, I don't want to say like a lack of hustle, but like a little bit of a lack of a hustle mm. in companies because they just think that the government will just support them. <laughs> Ooh, that's and you know what? That is a that is a totally fair perspective. As a company that has emerged from a government funded project, mm-hmm. we could have gone down that rabbit hole real easily. Yeah. What I think helped us is focusing on the product that you want to build focusing on what the users want. And in our case, you know, the other stakeholder being being the the patients, what makes the most sense for that. And pairing that with, I have a bit of a background in grants and funding and and kind of knowing what's out there. So that was more organic for me is that the focus was build this. And then is there anybody out there that has some incentives to help us build this? And if not, we're building it anyway. Yeah. But anything, and and maybe that's the way I've approached it, is everything is a bonus to me. Yeah. The shred was a total bonus to me. I yeah. didn't, didn't expect that one at all. Yeah. The youth employment grant was probably more pivotal because I knew I did want her. I I, 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 don't, I don't think I could have hired her without it. So right. that yeah. was huge. But when you're talking about IRAP money, That is an interesting one because you have to be very, very specific on what you're doing. Yes. So here's a really good example of we've been in talks with IRAP about potential projects and things like that, just as as advisors through IRAP are supposed to have conversations with companies like us uh, about. And there's been a couple of times where we've moved ahead quickly enough that the program wouldn't have caught up with us. Like we would have had to apply for a program, but by the time the money had come up, we would have already built it. It Mm -hmm. would have already been done. Like we're like, now we're beyond that. We're going on to the next thing, but that could have been a spot where we could have delayed. Oh, we'll just wait for that. Yeah. Yeah, Wait for the grant, wait for the incentive to come out and then yada, yada. So I think you're absolutely right. And 
as specifically someone in like my seat, you can get so distracted. And that was actually leading into the other thing I wanted to talk about too, was these contests Mm-hmm. And these purses and pockets of money where like these pitch contests. And I will tell you, especially as a female founder, mm-hmm. there are so many that are targeted at me. Like in any given week, I am getting probably five to six emails about something that somebody would like us to apply for yeah, and be part of. And I'm that, that can be incredibly distracting. Oh yeah. Cause I mean the, yeah, it's the, the point of every business is to enter pitch competitions and <laughs> I can't, I can't, I'm so, and last year I got caught up in that a little bit. I will say like there was a couple, I probably entered four or five unsuccessfully in most cases, but this year was one thing I told myself, I was like, you're not doing that this year. You're not entering these competitions. You're not entering these uh, contests. You're focusing on the work that you need to do. I believe that the success will naturally come if it's meant to be. But by distracting me, getting up on stage and giving pitches and trying to sell me and the company to a bunch of people is just... Who aren't your customers Who are not. Let's be very clear. These people are not my customers at all. Like not even close. Just there was no value in it for yeah. me or very little value, I should say, because there there is there is monetary value to it. But the, and the chances of success are so low. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, 2020 is the year where we focus on a product and we do not focus on contests. Nora, my youngest, went horseback riding for the first time when she was out in Saskatchewan. Oh, sweet. Nora doesn't like to wear pants a lot and she's potty training so she's in panties all the time and so she so she rode a horse for the very first time bareback in panties (laughs) (laughs) it was so cute why should we have to live under the oppression of pants Pants. in Nora's words I know like pants (laughs) (laughs) 